0: are we doing this really wait for it are we doing this wait for it How? what the fuck and it's also eh, what the fuck what's wrong with me it's time for wtf what the
1: fuck with mark
0: marin all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking austinites it's live wtf at south by southwest austin texas thank you for coming Thank you. We're back, back, back at the hipster Alamo, <laughs> protecting ourselves from the rest of Texas. Nice to see you. Some of you are here for the pre-show. Boy, that was fucking good, wasn't it? God damn, man. I did some shit I have never done before. People in the back who missed it. Um, <laughs> Well, look, its a, we got a really packed show. It's a great show. Uh, it's a, like there's some... Uh, like, I'm nervous. That's what kind of show I'm dealing with right now. And I just want you to keep this between us. You know, don't bring it up with the guests, but this is fucked up, man. This is going to be serious. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be in the right fit state of mind. Many of you who know me realize that there's a lot on the line for me right now. I'm here promoting a television show. And... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, and I'm completely uh, okay with it. Like, I'm calm about what's going on. I think that, like, I'm prepared emotionally for what I'm dealing with until some fucking idiot. This this happened. It was so clear. I, I ran into a friend of mine, Pat Healy. He's an actor, right? And some dude... Yeah, he's great. And he's talking to some dude. I don't know what kind of interviewer, but who fucking cares? Now, now I'm not trying to be angry, but I am angry. You like... <laughs> Like, they're, every, they're, all that's out here right now, in a lot of ways, you just walk around and there are just people, they're like, uh, they're like content viruses. They're sort of like, can you just say something to me so I can put it on my thing? You know, so that, like, that's all that's going on here this week. Can, can I just, can, I need to put it on my thing. What kind of thing is it? It's a platform, but there's a lot of people, there's unique users, and it's going in to, there's a cloud involved. I'm fucking on it i got, this thing is gonna go to oh, like nine other things and then 400 million people could possibly see your thing if you talk to me on my thing. It's like, shut the fuck up. All right, and of uh, course I'm being a little bit critical because I have a thing and, um, and we're all here to see this thing. But it was just one of these moments where I'm talking to Pat and whoever he's talking to goes, hey, I, I've only got a few minutes. And it was that tone where I'm like, "Who? for what? Who the fuck are you? Like, in my brain, I, what I said was like, okay, cool, man, and walked away. But on the elevator, I'm like, what, th- who, what's that guy's fucking thing? Talk to me in that fucking tone?
1: I'm
0: going to find something to talk about in a minute. Like, I feel like I put too much anger out there initially. Are some of you feeling that too? Like, now, I don't even know if the guy that caused that in me is sitting in here right now. Like, that guy who just thought he was, like, trying to do his job doesn't realize that he had a guy on an elevator hating him. <laughs> like, he was just sort of like, thanks for not interrupting. Meanwhile, I'm like, who the fuck, you know? A <laughs> couple emails, then we'll start the show. Oh, but, uh, is, was it okay before? It was better before, right? Before I even turned the mics on, right? No, you're okay with it now? Why, don't, why am I focusing on you? You know what it is, is I have this relationship with an audience where, you know, there's a whole room full of people here, but you, you struck me immediately as completely codependent with me immediately. <laughs> and that, like, you know, we, we'd set up this thing, I was out here talking to people before the show, and you were like, hi. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my guy. That guy is gonna love everything that comes out of my mouth, no matter what I fucking do. So if I'm like insecurely thinking that the rest of these people, are like, one's the thing, you know, like you are gonna be like, Help me time. <laughs> so you're carrying me, you're my guy, I'll try to respect the relationship. I'll probably hurt you a little bit <laughs> by by the end of the show, but like right now we're good. So subject line: Hey Mark, I'm depraved. How am I not gonna get into that email? This is kind of long, but I think it's good for what he ultimately wanted to say. Hey Mark, I had an interesting experience while listening to your podcast a few months ago. It took me until now to finally reach out and regale you with it. For some portions of my life, I spent time being one of those online gaming nerds. My stints in gaming are usually bad. The stereotypical dude staying up too late, not getting enough sleep, all the vaginas of the world taking evasive action in the process. This is a grandiose insecure guy. All of the vaginas. Everywhere there's a vagina, they're running from me. Anyway, that's always a good transition. You know, right after the vagina thing. Like, anyway, here we go. There was this one night at about 3 a.m. when I was playing this game, and because I prefer something intellectually stimulating as opposed to the in-game music and sound effects, I had downloaded all the recent episodes from your podcast. I was in the process of catching up. I think it was the Kurt Bronner episode. Suddenly, in the midst of uh, you and Kurt talking about philosophy, I got horny. <laughs> It was one of those uncontrollable moments, maybe somewhere from the unconscious, where my excitement came out of the same weird or latent desire to have sex, probably because of the (laughs) self-inflicted dry period I was going through. Yeah. Sure, buddy. So naturally, I pulled up some porn and looked around for some good, wholesome gals that knew their way around a groin of the opposite sex. And then in parentheses, am I keeping this unnecessarily, PG? All right. So I land on Jaden James or Rachel Starr or Cagney Lynn Carter, it's not really important. Well to some of us. I, um, for those of us who know those people and want a direct image of what you're about to fucking dump into my mailbox. All right. What is important is the fact that I didn't care to listen to the audio from these porn stars. While listening to you and Kurt... I remember distinctly thinking, oh man, this episode is getting really good. I don't really need to hear these girls moan while I'm jerking off. I'll continue listening. Yeah, how do you take that? The depravity of it didn't really hit me until after I was finished. I was jerking off to the visuals of a porn star while trying to pay attention to your and Kurt's conversation. And shortly after the fact, I quickly decided that if I were given the choice to do it over, or maybe in a similar circumstances, do it again, I totally would. (laughs) Which yes, sounds very creepy. But I feel like I was able to separate those two portions of my brain, pleasing myself to images of a woman while engaging with your podcast. So now he's trying to frame this as like, I did something good. (laughs) Maybe it just represents the dedication some people have toward your show. Yeah, okay, buddy. But it could also be indicative of, at least obliquely, the allure your thoughts and conversations have for others. Is he just sitting here trying to rationalize out loud that he jerked off while listening to me talk to my friend and now he's sort of like, but like, look at it this way. But here's here's the big declaration. What I'm trying to say is I enjoy the show. I'm sure if you read this on the podcast, people will be thinking, man, this email is totally queer. (laughs) That wasn't even on the list of things. All I can say to those people is, that's a mean thing to say, and I'll suck as many dicks as I need to for you to take it back. (laughs) Just kidding. Keep up the good work, Mark. Cheers, Nick. And then I got this one, and then we'll start the show. This one just says, Heterosex Club. <laughs> no, no name or nothing on the signature. It's just like t- three sentences. My girl and I travel up from LA every few months, and we have sex with each other in front of others. It's chill, laid back, and quite fun. I'd invite you along, but that might be awkward. That's it. <laughs> Like it's sort of like an invitation he bailed on midway. <laughs> hey, maybe Mark would be like, nah, that'd be bad. <laughs> I thought about that. You know, I guess like on some level having sex in a room with uh, other people having sex is, its it, on some level it's just sort of like eating dinner with many people. <laughs> Except naked and, you know. Yeah, it's not like that at all, is it? I mean, I'm not really looking to do that. I, I think it would be... I don't know. Would it be fun? Why am I just putting this out there right now? <laughs> Everything was going well, and now I'm sort of like, can anyone help me out with this problem I'm having? <laughs> All right, it's a nice segue to my first guest. I, um, I'm thrilled this guy was up here, because you know, I listened to his show, and I think uh, you know, millions of people listen to his show, but do we really know him? <laughs> Uh, please welcome the host of uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Mr. Peter Sagel, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, buddy.
2: Come here. Hello.
0: How many of you are like, that's what he looks like? How Is many it? of you are horrified? Like, but I he, had no idea when I looked you up.
3: <laughs> yeah. Isn't it weird being a radio guy? Where people it are like, is. oh,
0: I thought you were so much different. This then. is what
3: I've learned, yeah. which is that uh, people meet me. I'm sure this is happening right now. For the first 30 seconds or so, they don't hear a fucking word I say. <laughs> for example, many of you he probably just said fuck. I know, but they. <laughs> said, that, that, they that, that, that took you less time than I were glass
0: to say fuck. <laughs>
3: <laughs> half of them didn't even notice because they were still going, <laughs> fuck, he's bald. Uh. But now you're used to it. So, hello, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> you're handling the ball thing well. I, I, you know. Yeah, no, you're doing the right thing it's, with it. It's, it's my gift. It's what I do. <laughs> I just feel I, I don't have less hair than you, sons of bitches. I have more face. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, and if you attack me, I can go like this and blind you and make my escape. Like you're the you're the guy on that show. I'm the guy on that show. I am I am you're, like the, you're the guy on. the... Are you the guy on the yeah, show? Yeah. I'm the guy on the you show. Are. Hello, everybody. And
0: someone brought it up. Like they said I should do your show, and I did do your you show. Did once. do your show. But what I didn't realize Not was, on my shows. I was on your show, and I didn't realize uh, until after the fact that Bill Cosby had canceled.
3: That's in fact true. Did someone <laughs> tell you?
0: Yeah, you were trying to keep that from me. You had a fucking room full of 2,000 people waiting for Bill Cosby, and we they're did. like, "Who the fuck is Mark Marin talking about cats?
3: We um. <laughs> Before This is actually true. We were in Tampa, Florida, normally when we're on the road in a big theater, we get a live person. But that was the day that we had Bill Cosby finally lined up to be on the phone. Yeah. So I was like, these people would be thrilled. Yeah. And we were promoting, you'll come, you'll hear Bill Cosby. And he called one of my producers at, I think it was five in the morning. Yeah. And I can't do a Bill Cosby, so imagine some... <laughs> in
1: right.
3: it's Bill. And he thought that, like, bailing on him at personally at five in the morning, it would right. make it all right. Right. There was right. a little time. Yeah, well what like, time were you taping? Yeah, what I time like, were you taping? We were taping at seven thirty that night.
0: Okay, so you had a day. We had a day. So you went through a long list and like fuck no one's gonna do it.
3: Right. Do you do you know who Mark Marin is? Is that what happened? Basically. <laughs> and we're like, who the fuck? I don't care, I said at that point. <laughs> Whoever he is. No, the the fact of the matter and we did tell the audience we said, be nice to him. Oh my God. Pretend you're excited. You're taking
0: it all away. Here I'm standing. (laughs) No, that's not true. We didn't do that. I'm standing in my kitchen talking to fucking Peter Sagal. And how many people were in that room? About 2,500. 2,500 people. And I'm standing in my kitchen making coffee. And I'm hearing laughs. And I'm like, I'm fucking killing somewhere in Florida.
3: And you were standing there going, no, no. (laughs) It was legit. Because here's the thing. As everybody knows, that everybody who's in the business is a huge fan of yours. And that includes all of us. Mm. And uh, because it's like you know you've heard this phrase the comedian's comedian right yeah that's not always a good thing but mm. yes
0: what I, that means generally is like he tried and everybody likes him that likes comedy well
3: <laughs> no, no to I me it's like to, to me it's like this it's like you know what they say uh, about like if you want to be a good tennis player yeah you've got to play tennis with someone much better than you are sure right? sure that would and, be my brother and he can go fuck himself right. <laughs> I could have been another guy. I remember the first of your podcasts I listened to opened with you talking about how you exposed your nipple to Ken Melman on an airplane. He was sleeping. I understand. (laughs) And it was like Mark, and I was like, because everybody's talking about this podcast. I was talking about the podcast. I will listen to this podcast. And he's talking about being in an airplane and taking off your shirt and... To take a picture. I wasn't just sticking my nipple in Ken Melman's face. (laughs) He would have little use for it. Well, no, no actually, actually he, would, he would have loved it. it. Turns out, that, anyway.
0: that was like days before he yeah. came out. It would have been like, eh.
3: and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I'm, I am self hating and fucked up. Mm. But this guy, <laughs> and I need to listen and understand how this is done. Yeah. Yeah, and so we all listen to the podcast on the show wait, and we talk you're, yeah. self hating and fucked up. Absolutely. God, that is I so mean, good. in comedy, isn't it? I mean, isn't it redundant? No, but you're fucking the guy on that show. I mean, again, little know that the guy on the show would be Wait, wait, guy. don't tell me you're just sitting there going, ugh. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> do, do, doesn't everybody Doesn't everybody oh, essentially I love when this doesn't essentially everybody loathe what they do?
0: I, no, I, I don't Getting think some you, nods. you, you well, let's talk about that, dude. So what was the trajectory? How did you end up there? I have to assume that your, your, your goal at the end game, you know, you're a man, you're in your 50s, was not to, to host a talk show. No, I'm not. Really? No, not quite. Me neither, me neither. But it happens to me all the time. Yeah. He said covering. Yes. Yeah, I not get that what, all the time. I get what I just said to you all the time. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it makes me feel bad, too.
2: Yeah. Thank
3: you. How old are you? I'm 48. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, um... This is going really well. It's, now, it's, I, now I hate myself more. That's all I'm trying to do, appreciate Peter. appreciate that. I want to see you
0: get on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the next show you do and go, I'm fucking done with this. Yes. Shut up, Sue Ellicott. That's what I want to hear. I can follow your lead yeah, in that. Yeah, because I've said that. Yes. <laughs> uh, shh. All right. It's another story. So let's, okay, let's go back, man. Me and you, young yeah. Peter Sagel. Yeah. All his life's ahead
3: of him. Hopes yeah. and
0: dreams. Graduating Harvard. What's True. the plan?
3: I was going actually to come out to L.A. and make it big in the movie industry. Oh,
0: in what way? Did you have a you specific know, in thing? general. So just, you
3: were just sort of like... No, no. I was a writer. Okay. I was a writer and I was really interested in the theater. I was going to be like a serious... Theater artist. That was my really? Thing. Yeah, that was my deal. Who were your guys? Uh, my guys, well, geez, were like Mammoth mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Kushner, who I got to meet when I was working at a theater in LA. Mm-hmm. And all like the genius directors like Robert Wilson, a guy named Bill Roush, who's at Ashland now. And that was my thing. I, you know, Robert I, Wilson, ladders. Ladders, yeah. people moving very slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. Good. Got yeah, it. A 20 foot Lincoln walking across the stage yeah, followed by a fish. Great. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do with yeah. my life. Because that's what makes the world fucking move yeah. forward. And I, and, and I once saw Robert Wilson speak. Yeah. And he was going to talk about his great work, The Civil Wars. And he said, I thought it would be interesting to have something divided into six parts. And he drew five lines on a blackboard. Yeah. Making six parts. Yeah. And then he said, and then I thought each of the six parts should be divided into three parts each. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I decided there should be Lincoln. <laughs> And people were rapt, right? People were I like, was rapt. Are you kidding taking me? Taking notes, right? And I was like, I want to be so important that I can say shit like that. And it will mean something. I want to be the guy who people either understand me or are terrified of admitting they don't. Okay? Hold on,
0: I'm writing that down. That's what you want. That's going to be the theme You'll of the show. You want to be the
3: guy who you're in a cocktail party, people say like, well, yeah, I saw Peter Sagal's latest. It was extraordinary. And you say to yourself, fuck, I hated it, but I can't say that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but no, I think most people are afraid that they won't understand it. And I think that, like, you know, I'm going to talk to Harmony Korine later. and, and For James, example. And James Franco. But like, there's something, but like, when you just described that to me, that you know, there's six parts and then three parts and then Lincoln. Whatever got him to Lincoln, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I mean that was the beginning of this idea, and then he built around the idea, and he was had a freedom enough uh, mind, freedom freedom of mind enough to just pursue that. What, it's not <laughs> well, even that's actually true.
3: I mean, that was what was so cool about him is because people wanted. And I did. I was stupid. Wanted him to explain. Well, Lincoln represented this. It didn't. He just wanted Lincoln to walk across on stage. Of course, he's got a fucking top hat. Why wouldn't you want that? And that's it. That's what he wanted. That's that's what Tony Kushner and Spielberg said. They started with the hat. And they built from there. Exactly. So I wanted to be very important. I wanted to be very serious. I wanted to teach the world what was wrong with it. And let me tell you, world, there's a lot. Yeah, man. Fucking preach it, brother. Yeah, and I... (laughs) And I always school these people, And I man. always assumed that if I was on a stage like this and I would be addressing you, yep. afterwards you would either like carry me around in your shoulders or you'd try to hang me or, and either would be acceptable. But would you settle for crying? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I, you, know, you don't have to be killed or, yeah. or, 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 or carried, but sometimes like, <laughs> it's so right.
3: Once I wrote a play and a woman saw the play and she came up to me, and she said, I want you to know your play breaks me. <laughs> Holy and shit. And that was what all I wanted. Yeah. That's all I wanted. You I wanted, wanted to break her. I wanted to break her. I wanted to make her rethink everything. You still in touch? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so you wanted to be a playwright. I wanted you to be a playwright.
0: Yeah, but how, how long were you out there in the, on the, I, in I was the wilderness? Out, I was out
3: in L.A. for five years, which were both the worst and best five years of my life. Yeah. Because L.A. is awful, but L.A. is where incredibly cool people are, who I met and who started this... Career and encouraged me to write, um, and I met a lot of really cool people, including some of the ones I mentioned. But I decided uh, to get out right after the riots. I was there in the riots. Were you there for the riots? No, I'm so sad I missed them. <laughs> it was a great time. I heard it was awesome. It was awesome. I was like, oh man, you should have been here when we had riots. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so you got out because you I were scared, out, and or I, you I, just I, done I, with No, shelter. I was just done with LA. I thought LA was an Did you do place. anything? Did you write anything? Um, <laughs> yeah. I Let's eventually got hooked up with um, a guy named Avi Nesher.: Sure. Avi Nesher. There's a lot is, of those. there's a lot of guys. Yeah. Avi Nesher was an Israeli movie director who right. made there's like few, there's fewer of those. who made a top-grossing top movie in Israel, and he came to America to sort of... Make it big. He was going to be sort of the Israeli Paul Verhoeven, if that makes sense.
0: Was this pre canon or post canon? You know, with the. Like go- Globus. No, this guy was
3: art. This guy wore black. This guy okay. was going to make art films. Sure. And uh, he came over and he made a movie called Time Bomb with the guy who starred in Terminator that wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger Michael Bean. Yeah. And it went nowhere. And his career in Hollywood then continued on a path downward until it met mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote a movie for him uh-huh. called Savage uh-huh. that was um, a, f- a vehicle for a French kickboxer named Olivier, Olivier Gruner who was sort of a poor man's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Holy shit, not I even a... Uh, wow. Yeah. And I had to write this movie uh, in about four weeks and it was interesting because I was writing the movie in the outer office uh, Avi was in the inner office, and Avi would get on the phone, yeah. and Avi would talk to the finance guys, and he'd say, "Oh, finance guys, he's great. We got Olivier, we got the star. He's all set to go. We got the script. The script is fabulous. It's awesome. All we need is the money." And he'd hang up, and he'd pick yeah. up, and he'd talk to Olivier, and he'd say, "Olivia, it's great, my friend. We got the money. We got the script. It's fabulous." And he'd hang up the phone, and then he'd yell out to me. He says, "Peter, it's going great. I got Olivier. I got the money. How's the script, <laughs> yeah, right?" Yeah. But he put it together. It was hard to write because Olivier couldn't pronounce the letter R. Okay. And we knew this because his prior movie, he played a killer robot whose job was to protect a woman named Nora Rochester. Yeah. So the entire movie, which you can see, it's on video. It's called Automatic. Has Olivia Gruner saying, "Excuse me, it's not, it's not correct. It's not safe." You know. So anyway, I wrote so, this. this was, and then I was like, i got to get out of L.A. So I moved to Minneapolis. Wait, so wait, wait. You wrote the a movie. The movie's called Savage. And I'm you in got the paid IMDb. for the movie. I got paid $2,000. And after that,
0: you went into a suicidal depression, and your heart was broken, and you left L.A. Not
3: exactly, but a more or less. I remember when I was writing the movie, my mother called me up and said, oh, Peter, how does it feel to be on your way up? <gasps> so I moved to uh, Minneapolis. I was a playwright in How did she like that movie, Peter? We actually... Uh, um, <laughs> By the time they made it, you'll be familiar with this if anybody's in the business, there was one line in it that made it that I wrote. One One line. And the what line was, it? was, it's the 90s. Let's watch TV. That was you? I wrote that. Oh my god. That so was like fucking Lincoln. It, gots, it gets better. So I became a playwright and I started writing plays. And my plays started getting done in small theaters. And one of my plays got read. And it was like serious plays. And one of my plays was read by a guy named Lawrence Bender. You know yeah, Lawrence? I know. Yeah, he's the guy that produces uh, Quentin Tarantino's, Tarantino's movies. Tarantino's movie, so he yeah. was a very big producer. This was the mid 90s. Yeah. And uh, he wanted me to write a movie and uh, for him. And what do they want to write? I had some ideas. He didn't like them. He hooked me up with his former dance instructor, now production partner, who wanted to direct. Follow? <laughs> and she had been a 15 year old girl in Cuba in 1959. Okay her name was Joanne Jensen, and she wanted me to write the story of a 15-year-old girl in Cuba in the Cuban Revolution. Right. So I wrote that movie yeah. because I thought it was very cool. No one had told the story of the Cuban Revolution. The idea of telling it from an idea of an adolescent was really cool to me because the revolutionaries, including Castro, were very young. There was a sense of rebelling against their parents. Sure. That, was almost, that was literally true in some cases. It was a like sexy revolution. There was a sexy revolution. <laughs> yeah. um, and at one point, I mean, I knew I was in trouble. I handed in my first draft, and the... Um, producer I was working with, a development person, called me up and said, it's good, and it's got a lot of politics and it had Batista, it had these real life incidents it had yeah. CIA, it had intrigue it had cool stuff, it had bombs, it had whatever, and she called me up and she said, it's good we were thinking of something a little more like Dirty Dancing <laughs> <laughs> at which point I should have said nothing, and just hang up, right? because what do I know about writing Dirty Dancing? Right, and, and that's yeah, not what we were doing we were that's, doing we were art, doing, we were doing, we were doing this and so I But instead This is my, my first Really big Hollywood show sure. And it was better Than Avi Nesher. So I said okay I will make it More like Dirty Dancing And I tried to write it More like Dirty Dancing More dancing Less politics More love Less politics More dancing Less bombing yeah. And every time I wrote it It got worse And finally yeah. they Fulfilled my contract And fired me Yeah That movie got made <laughs> It is called Dirty Dancing 2 Havana Nights <laughs> Peter Sagal Ladies and gentlemen That's my Hollywood career
0: Yeah who knew that? That was great. Did you know that? Now we all know that about him. How is it going to feel listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Now? Oh, that's the guy that wrote Dirty Dancing 2, Havana Nights.
3: Can I tell you one thing about that movie? Okay. There is a scene in that movie, I'm sure you've all seen it, where the young heroine goes to, uh, goes to English class toward the beginning of the movie. And it's a pointless scene. There's no reason for it to be in the movie. And yeah. I'm amazed it is. I wrote it so I could have a part. Uh, that was supposed to be me the English teacher in Havana (laughs) they didn't call me up I was very disappointed you want to give us one of of your famous lines from that film Um, not a single one of my lines survived but the English teachers parked it
0: Peter Sagel, ladies and gentlemen all right my pleasure right now to bring up one of my favorite comedians working today please welcome Nate Bargatze ladies and gentlemen (laughs) hey buddy
4: Thanks, buddy.
0: How's it going, man?
4: Uh, good, you know? Yeah? Uh, living the dream here. I thought this festival, I swear, till like before I got booked here, I thought this had something to do with Southwest Airlines. (laughs) I don't even know what they would be doing, like just showing planes or something, but I thought they were like that good of a company that put together a festival. (laughs) And, no.
0: That's good, man. It's good to see you. Nothing, yeah.
4: You're just one of those guys I'm going to sit here and just, like, wait to laugh. Is that okay with yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, let I just hope it happens. <laughs> so, I don't even... <laughs> I'm the only guest on this that you think you'd think you have to show a clip and explain who it is. <laughs> Everybody else is like, yeah, we know him. And me, he's like, well, just watch him a little bit. <laughs> let me email you some clips. And then you might stay. <laughs>
0: so, what? what... Like I like you know like you sort of changed my mind about the South in somehow like uh, like for a long time I sort of condescended the South and then yeah. I met people like you and I'm like well no there there's there's good people
4: down there and the stereotypes aren't true and it's good but yeah, you know what I will get I do have a story that will fit in uh. to what you think we are <laughs> <laughs> like it go like. It was with my family. Like I even like I didn't grow up like real like rednecky, and I almost wanted to be, because all my buddies would like hunt and stuff, and I didn't. And but then I my family pulled in, and they were like, "Oh, we are like this." So, <laughs> I went to my uh, this was a, a couple years ago. I Went to my cousin's wedding. Yeah. And uh, so uh, my parents are from Louisville, Kentucky. So they this was in Kentucky. So we go there, and uh, my cousin's getting married. You know, it's a big day for her. So we pull up, and uh, I get out. I'm wearing like khakis and like a collared shirt. Nothing crazy. Would be very underdressed at normal weddings, but I was killing it at this wedding. <laughs> Everybody had jerseys on and stuff like that. Like that's like a go-to I think for people that don't have money. Is like just wear a jersey because that looks good. And any specific jerseys? Any, I mean, I'm wearing kind of <laughs> this one right now. So. <laughs> Uh, but they so we get there we, we I'm walking in yeah. and my uncle is greeting everybody and he's got like his tux on he's got everything on uh, but they forgot his shirt so he's like wearing like a jacket cummerbund pants shoes everything no shirt though <laughs> and just greeting everybody and everybody loves it everybody thinks that like no one's like this is your daughter's biggest day of her life maybe don't do this for one second and he just is like, no, this is what we're doing. This is how we're just greeting everybody. Yeah. So then we go into the uh, wedding, and uh, it's kind of weird with, like, the guys she was marrying, they, with their family, because they had, uh, that guy's uncle yeah. came to the wedding, they haven't seen him for six months, and then I found out why, and it's because uh, one day uh, they bought, you know those fake lottery tickets? Yeah. They, like, say you win, like, ten grand. Right. So... They bought a fake lottery ticket. The whole family did. And then when he was coming into the house, they were like, let's, let's let him do it, and we'll play a trick on him, right? Right. And so they give it to him. Everybody's looking at him, like, you know, being like, oh, we're going to win? <laughs> like, and he scratches it off, looks at it, and then goes, Poof, we did not win, and left. <laughs> left out the door. $10,000, not even that much. Like, you know, it wasn't a million or something. It was ten grand. <laughs> And nothing clicked, like your whole family's looking at you. Nothing clicks that maybe it's a trick. And then, uh, so he was embarrassed to show his face for six months. He didn't didn't have a gift, which he probably was like, well, you understand I don't have any money. I thought I did. I was going to buy you something real nice. We go, so yeah. we're in the wedding. So and, the wedding's uh, starting now? Wedding's starting. <laughs> okay. As they walk down the aisle, yeah. you know, we all stand up. Yeah. Uh, and I swear they're drinking beer. Like, I just hear cans popping. And We're in, like, a church, and we're just like, these guys are animals. Uh, and then they, some guy stops uh, my cousin as she's walking down the aisle to take a picture with her his camera. Yeah. Like, this is her big moment that girls love, and he's like, hey, hold on one second. And then... <laughs> with like a flip camera. So he does that, they get married. We go to the reception, they take a horse and buggy. The reception was about four miles away. Uh, They take a horse and buggy, which then like, we didn't calculate that that takes forever. So it takes them like a good hour and a half to get to the reception. Like they should've like way like thought of it and be like, let's do a car like halfway or something. Uh, But they like committed so much to be like, no let's do the whole thing. and. The reception was just at someone's uh, house. Like they like rented. They gave her money to be like, "Can we do it in your backyard?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're just in the backyard. They have like plywood down, so you know where to dance. Because uh, you can't just be wandering around <laughs> like just, a lunatic. Just pieces of plywood. Just pieces of plywood. Sure. Like four of them. Would be like, "Look, yeah. this is, is where there a band." Uh, no, Dude, <laughs> there, there's box wine. Uh, <laughs> They just had, like, a radio. Yeah. And if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to go in the people's house, which we didn't know the people. And they, those people stayed. They didn't leave and go, all right, we'll give you some time alone. They st- you just walked into this people's family. And you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. And it's just this woman and kids. And you're like, oh, this is the worst. So uh, everybody's boozing it up. And uh, how the night ends uh, is my, my great uncle... Uh, older guy, he wanted to watch uh, a basketball game, Kentucky basketball, so he tells his wife, my great aunt, he's like, let's go, we're gonna go watch this game. And my great aunt's like, no, we're staying for the whole thing. And then they get in an argument, uh, and then he punches her in the face. That's just what, he just fought her. He just fought his wife. They've been married forever. And then like everybody's like trying to fight him. And it's like he's probably, you know, if he's willing to do this in public, I bet he's good at fighting. <laughs> if he's, you know. So, uh, how, how much shit went down? Uh, they just like, gra- like, three were trying to grab him and like just break him up. He's an old man. He just wanted to watch his basketball game. He's into basketball. So, punches- so, that, so that explains it. That explains yeah. it. That, so, and that's how, you know. That's how that they're. Happens. Yeah, they're not together anymore, though. They, like, <laughs> Not my great. Actually, my cousin. They divorced. How long ago was this? Uh, I don't know. Maybe three or four years ago. Oh really? Yeah. So it didn't last. No. Well, (laughs) I mean, with such good omens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everything was starting off so good. To be like, these guys have really got something. (laughs) (laughs) No, it didn't even sort of pan out. Are you still married? I'm married. Yeah. It's like fine. And you had what kind of baby did you have? uh, A human one. We went that route and uh <laughs> it was we had a girl. Yeah. A little girl. That's
0: so how it's like three or four months now or
4: no no, she's uh eight months. No, She's seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <middle. laughs> uh she's eight months old. And uh it's I don't know, it's like crazy. It's like pretty unbelievable. Like Because yeah. uh, it's like you're seeing like like we took her to the park yeah. and like you, she sees, you're seeing her like see grass for the first like so it's all this stuff that's yeah. like the first time you're like she doesn't know what yeah. any of it is uh, it is funny though like because when she poops that's what you say the yeah. the baby yeah. Yeah. and uh, but she'll just do it like in your face yeah. like she'll like her nose would be touching me just like Ugh. like <laughs> it's the most awkward thing to like make even though it's my daughter it's like weird to be making eye contact <laughs> with a human being <laughs> that's pooping <laughs> And we're both just looking at each other like, I know, I know. This is not how it should be, but it's, I don't know what to do. You don't get it yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you see, like, the relief come over her face? Yeah, yeah. They, she smiles. Yeah,
4: She smiles. It's a big deal. That's, like, all they have that's... Uh, Get past the you know. It's like <laughs> the only thing that's like right there for them to be like. Once this is over, and then that's a again. rich full day for them. <laughs> it's an exciting, it's an exciting day. It's we take a, we go take that. a nap. Yeah. yeah, we lay down, we take a nap. And yeah. <laughs> what's your uh, daughter's name? Harper. Harper. That's nice. Yeah, it's after David Beckham's kid. So, <laughs> uh, we're big, big Beckham fans. So, we thought we would just do that. When she goes to daycare. Though, like, and I feel bad because, like, I take it to daycare and I'm like, I gotta do stuff around the house, dude. I do nothing. Like, <laughs> I, it couldn't be. I even feel bad. Like, people are like, you take it to, you're at home. And I'm like, well, I gotta do, like, I gotta write. I never wrote. Like, I, I just tell people, I gotta write my jokes. Yeah, sure. How do you think they're gonna come out? I just sit at home and play <laughs> video games. And but, uh, but
0: it's, it's going well.
4: It's going good. We'll see what, you know. You have
0: another one right now?
4: No, uh, not right now. Uh, my career's not going good enough to do one more yeah. uh, I, the first night we got her home she was like crying and I, that's what I told my wife I was, "Like we're not doing this again like that she the was, first day? I mean she's basically been alive for three hours <laughs> and I already was like this is too much this is way too much and I cannot do this
0: have you acclimated to it?
4: yeah it's kind of I mean you know we take her to daycare that's nice uh, <laughs> You just go there and drop her off to strangers. I guess they're good. There's not like an honest Yelp review about daycares. That's like, that's like, oh, uh, I don't know. The place is clean, but we they stole our kid. So it's really just as long as that daycare is not in the news. It's the only <laughs> that's, way you know if it's like a solid daycare.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks by. for having Nate me. I forgot Uh, my next guest is a film director who uh, I've uh, enjoyed for a long time. And I remember when he uh, first came out, and I was living in New York, New York, and I was like, "This guy's a fucking wizard. He's a genius. He's Harmony Korine, ladies and gentlemen." <laughs> Hi. Hey, what's
5: up? Huh? How's it
0: going? <laughs> what happened to your eye? It's weird. Already? Oh, <laughs> it's the lights
5: lights and everyone's funny no they <laughs>
0: you're funny yeah no, yeah I mean, in a know. different way you grew up down south though too right you Nash- did you grow up yeah, in nashville Nashville. what part out. you grew up in
4: uh old hickory do you know how, yeah. where yeah jackson's from yeah
5: it's a <laughs> weird place yeah how did how did you end up in the south uh because uh my parents uh, they just went down there yeah, there was like a commune and then... Uh... <laughs> really? Oh, sorry. Geez. I'm sorry. Uh, there was, a, yes, a commune that uh, they had, were living in and then I, I, I just was with them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so were, was, it, was it like, did, did you have sort of like a hippie
5: upbringing? I mean, was it... Yeah. Yeah? Well... <laughs> Group effort? There was a lot of people in the house at all times? Yeah, it was a lot of hippies and uh, um, they were like, communists and stuff and... Uh, throw Molotov cocktails and shit. Oh, really? Hardcore. <laughs>
0: yeah. So they had an agenda. Yeah. And your parents got out of that, I imagine, yeah. at some point when the Molotov cocktails happened.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They uh, moved in, they moved into Nashville.
0: And, what, and you grew up around film, right?
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up, like, watching movies a lot. And, and uh, my, my dad started making documentaries when I was a kid, so, yeah, I grew up around it. Like the
0: old cameras cutting, yeah, 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 exactly. And you'd sit there and watch him cut, Yeah. it must yeah. take fucking hours, then,
5: yeah, years. And uh, <laughs> it was about like moonshiners, and uh, you know,
0: so he's out in the hills, yeah. Did you yeah. go with him? Was there a moment, yeah?
5: Where? I was like with him, uh, uh, follow him. I didn't go to school till later, I think. Uh, I missed like a first couple of years. So you could go drive around and look at moonshiners with <laughs> <Yeah>. your dad? <laughs> yeah and like a carnivals and stuff. Was
0: that sort of the beginning of the of you knowing what you wanted to do?
5: Not really. Like I was then I got into skateboarding and like uh you know and I pretty much didn't know what I wanted to do until, you know, high school I guess. I had to pick something. I was getting, and then uh I just like all I really liked was movies and so I started making films in high school. Like in uh I didn't really make particularly good grades or anything.
0: Uh, and that's when it just started happening? Yeah, and
5: then I was just like, I, 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 I would live next to Vanderbilt University, and there was this movie theater called Surratt.
0: Surratt, got oh the yeah, shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's all in.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I did not go there, though. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's this theater called Surratt Cinema, and I would just go there, and they would have different double features every day, and I would watch movies and after school. And then I just kind of liked it. Like, you know. So
0: when you started, when when you made kids, like, that's when I, I first remember. Were you living in New York at that time?
5: Yeah, I, I had just moved to New York, uh, um, and I started going to NYU. And uh, I met Larry Clark in a park, and then that's like... A, so that was it? Yeah.
0: The Buddha moment?
5: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
0: what did you and Larry Clark talk about after he uh, hit on you? After he what? Hit on you. No, no, no. No, <laughs> okay. no it wasn't
5: like that. <laughs> Um, you ever try speed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe a little like that. <laughs> 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 it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, no, I just started taking photos, and I, I was like, talking about, and he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, make movies. And then I, I used to have these videotapes of films I'd make with my, I lived at my grandma's house, and then I would put her phone number on the tape. Like right. on, on the cassette, and I just handed him one, and then he called me the next day, and, and was like, hey, "Can you write this movie?" And that's also, kinda how it and, happened. and yeah. that's how it happened.
0: So you work with him, like I, I mean, I'm trying. How old was he then? Because I mean, he'd already been through some
5: shit, man. Yeah, probably he was probably like fifty at that point. Uh huh.
0: And do you still are you still in
5: touch with him? No, I haven't spoken to him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, there's nothing. Well, but, no, no, I'm not yeah, you know, yeah, suggesting
0: yeah. anything, but you know, he's uh, a. <laughs> He's an interesting guy.
5: Yeah, you know, he was. He's pretty hardcore. And w- when you yeah,
0: very hardcore, I would say. Yeah. He defines hardcore. But when you were doing that process, I mean, how involved was he because I'm just trying to figure yeah. out like where, you know, your sort of your vision to sort of do what the hell you want to do and how you sort of started seeing things cinematically yeah. was influenced by him.
5: Um, I mean, at the that point well, I was sure. just a kid so, uh, really. So, I was still I was I was probably like 19 at the time and I you know, I I was thinking about movies in a different way or wanting to make films in a, in a kind of in a different way, and like what do you mean well I, you know i wasn't wasn't really wanting to work with you know work with actors right. or trying to just like get to get to somewhere that was at, at the core of something that was a different and then uh we had just talked about movies and what we wanted to do and and basically like I, I don't really know I wrote it like in a week, and my grandma's <laughs> basement I don't know know, and Larry liked it he was like fuck it let's do it yeah that is like what happened (laughs) I just turned it in I'd never written a script before I didn't know anything about how to do it and uh uh and That's kind of what happened. It's and pretty, all, all those kids were just like my friends.
0: Yeah. And, and it, well, that was a great movie. But like you made it like as a, when you started shooting your own and writing your own, then it it became sort of more defined and a little weirder. But I, did, I just think it's amazing that you were given this opportunity to be, to be mentored by yeah. one of the few functioning devils in uh, <laughs> in you know yeah. in, in art. I mean, because yeah. you know that guy. Like if you think like okay, give me a list of satans that have done great work. You know, Larry Clark is like at least number three.
4: Yeah.
0: I mean, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, You know, the yeah, good yeah, parts, yeah. I say. I'm not, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I say that with love. I have been, you know, you. I've had many relationships with the devil in different yeah. faces. Um, but when you start doing your own stuff, like, because like, I know the new movie, I didn't get to see it because you guys didn't send me a screener. Yeah. Um, but it does look uh, like a, a lot different yeah. than what you've done before. It seems yeah. like there's more money Bigger stars. Yeah. So, how do you move from like you know from Gummo and and the Donkey Boy and like mm-hmm. what were you trying to do with those movies? And then how'd um, you get here?
5: I have no idea. Come <laughs> on, man. You can think. Uh, it's a hard like one. what was?
0: Fa- well, I, don't say it's a horrible question. No, a hard one. Oh, okay.
5: Uh, <laughs> no, I was hard. so ready to be defensive, <laughs> no, with you it's it's sort of like
0: that kid better not make a fool out of me. No,
5: no, no. It's not hor- horrible. Um, no. What was I trying to well, do? With what, the, was, what was what like? Yeah. You know, because it seemed yeah.
0: that you were going after the the sort of vulnerability of people that were tr- you know dramatically right. different, right? And and you sort of lived in that.
5: I don't know. You know, I was like, uh, I don't know. I I again, I was like, there were specific images and things that I wanted to see and and, and sounds that I wanted to see. You know, in a, a different way of watching movies and a lot of those. You know. Those places that I had grown up in, and people i don't know you know you're just attracted to what you're attracted to yeah. i was i was at the time when I was making those films, I was kind of like exploding my mind was really difficult for my, me to shut off my mind. I just had like um like so many ideas and images and everything and and I wanted the films to reflect that you know like images and sounds coming from all directions yeah and, uh, I wanted to you know i was I was trying to make a different type of film, but I was trying to like develop Work on a language yeah. and, and work on something that was like, that I couldn't articulate. It was more like an energy. And that's kind of really oh, the, si- the same as what I'm trying to do now make films that are more about a feeling or more of like a physical experience than uh, than something that's like, you know, that you could explain or as easily articulated.
0: So that, that sets it apart from like, you know, necessarily being hinged to narrative or style or anything else. Why do you keep trying to pin this kid down? Let him just talk about what he wants to talk about. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Listen, listen to me. Listen. And who's L- n- coming next? Who's coming up next? I just want Eddie, to know. Eddie. Eddie, I know it's hard for you to handle the success that you've been going through. And I think a lot of the. Oh, listen to me. I think a lot of the points you made are valid. So do you want me to just let him leave? No. All right, then shut the fuck up. How would that be? All
1: right, please follow me on Twitter. Eddie. Wait, don't. No. Don't you fucking leave. Don't. Well,
0: What do you got to do? My movie,
1: the documentary about me is played,
0: and it's a terrific little piece of work. Wait. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Why did you make that movie? So this is why, because of the success of this documentary, I got to deal with this shit in your new glasses? Is that what's happening? Is this the new glasses? Is this I, how? No, yeah. I'm talking to a, 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 a guy who makes beautiful films, and I'm trying to get the heart of it, and you know well, that that's, that's a... where I think you're wrong. How so? Trying to get to the
1: heart of it is always a mistake. When my father would call and say- Oh, here we go.
0: What do you care?
1: I want to know! <laughs> I see an empty chair, and I think, as a consumer in this society, I get to know who the fuck James James
0: Franco's going to come out in a minute. Oh,
1: so now that- it's all about cute people. Go fuck
3: yourself! <laughs> yeah. So, that was Gilbert Gottfried. I've no. never seen him before. It was awesome that was actually
0: uh, Eddie Pepitone, and quite honestly I wish I could say that was planned that wasn't planned no it wasn't fucking planned yeah. and usually if he was if there was more time I would you know talk to him until he eventually yeah. said yeah you're right but see, now he's like he's on the thing you know that guy oh yeah I know him <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's on the show a lot yeah, I mean, but that's really him. Yeah, and I think he's got a point, right? In the sense that, like, am I yeah. am I bothering you with my question? No, no, no.
5: <laughs>
0: this is great. this is how you see. That's like, we have great. a very weird relationship, him and I.
3: <laughs> no, and now he
0: actually he actually made me feel like you know maybe he's right. Maybe I should just shut up and enjoy what you do, and 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 not even. But you know what? Fuck Eddie. So. <laughs> So I understand, because this is sort of what I wanted to get at, because yeah. you were a guy who has done exactly what you want to do, yeah. how you want to do it, to whoever yeah. enjoys what you do, without yeah. feeling the pressure yeah. of necessarily having to do something to accommodate an audience. Right. That takes a lot of fucking balls. Uh-huh. And what is this film that you're doing now? Because yeah. it seems a little more, yeah. boom.
5: How's it different? It's. I mean, I think it's it, It's like, maybe, Uh. it's still It's still part of the same thing. Uh. I, I really don't feel I mean it's different maybe that it's a, pro- a progression of a lot of the ideas and the st- and styles and and things yeah. but um if I mean the only thing that really makes it different maybe is the cast uh but um you know it's a bigger know. movie
0: I mean was there like it was mean, a bigger production I
5: mean I, I uh, the production was not that much bigger but it was more the the chaos and the energy around it was was bigger and is yeah
0: well, I'm looking forward to it, and let's uh, let's get James out here yeah. so he can talk to, about his side of it. Right. Harmony Kareem, great. Please welcome to the stage James
5: Franco.
2: Hey, hey, buddy. Where'd uh, Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> go? know what that
0: was you didn't know what that he he's, uh, a, he's a funny co- bit yeah <laughs> he's a comedian he does the show a lot but it, it's really who um, he is and i think he had some good points yeah go, you? S- go see that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> you should go see it yeah. it's called the bitter buddha all right how are you can i hey what's up hey. man <laughs> like there was a moment there i'm like he's not gonna look at me the whole time well we're really close yeah okay
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. i have no boundaries i apologize it's so, draining <laughs> So uh, I saw the trailer. I wish I could say the whole fuck. I saw the whole movie, but I didn't have. Come the whole see it tonight. What time?
5: Uh, right after this.
0: Right after this. Um, oh no, nine thirty. Nine thirty.
5: Nine thirty. I might be able yeah. to
0: do. Oh, yeah. can I just get
5: in? I'll hook can you I-
0: up. Oh, you will. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah.
2: So your part looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it's probably the best role I've ever had, and uh, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And what is the role? Can you t- tease it? Uh, yeah, uh, I play a character named Alien, and uh, basically the the best way to describe it is that he's a he's a gangster mystic uh he lives in Florida all the kids go out there for spring break and uh the the main actresses meet up with him and he pulls them into into his world it's an exciting world uh it is in a lot of ways i mean you know it, it looks like it's uh in some ways it's it's gross and uh you know he's up to a lot of you know bad things but in in some ways, it's just unrestrained uh, hedonism. It's sort of like what would happen if everybody got all of their wishes all at once, and uh, it, you, you know, you just that never ends just up good. Be in like a room of cake and you know everything <laughs> you want, and it's too much. But it's what we all dream about sometimes. Room of coke,
5: <laughs> yeah, cake, cake or coke,
0: coke whatever, whatever, whatever,
2: yeah.
3: whatever you like.
0: What was it like working with Harmony?
2: And compared to every other director you've worked with in your life, um, the best. I mean, I you know I've worked with some really great directors, but you know, Harmony uh, has his own flavor, and uh, it's really, I think, in line with everything I dreamed about uh, as a as an actor. I I was a fan of his work way back when I was in high school. I can't believe it was uh, Kids came out that long ago, but um, I was in high school when it came out, and that was before I was a professional actor, but even then it just had an influence on on me my outlook in the world or how i you know i i was into the arts so just how i wanted to approach art and here was you know something that spoke to teenagers was about teenagers but wasn't kind of pandering to them wasn't um giving some kind of false impression of what it was like to be a teenager it was like both Aesthetically innovative, but also um, in some ways very honest. Yeah. So he actually framed some of your sort of disposition in, in
0: terms of knowing that there was some other shit going on out there that was like great, that wasn't just mainstream. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Before I, yeah, before I started acting. And then um, working with him, it was like. Um, <clears throat> It was a, it was a great process. There were many stages to it. We had, you know, Harmony and I started talking about doing a project before we even had an idea. We just thought, oh, we should do something. And then he, you can talk to him about where the seeds of it came from, but eventually there was this treatment. It was like, okay, these girls go on spring break and they meet up with this weirdo named Alien and he pulls them into his world. And um, and then I said yes, and then it took about a year to put it together, and he sent me all these, you know, he's a great internet researcher, so he sent me all the <laughs> weirdest things you could possibly find on the internet. And that all went into the mix. And he said, this is our guy. Basically, like the weirdest <laughs> stuff you could imagine. Like what? And, uh, just like interviews with odd people and um, weird photos, you know, like gangsters that... <laughs> have, like, Miley Cyrus tattoos, and, you know... <laughs> like, so you just we- funnel
0: all this information yeah. that you find appealing yeah. and, and sort of, uh, you
5: know, energizing in a kind of, like, almost scary way? Well, like, yeah, like, it, I, you react to certain images and things, yeah. or I do, and then I just, like, compile them, and, and like, with his character... I would just send him stuff all the time. Audio clips and... Audio and, clips? Of what? And, or, you know, just like clips of like people getting in fights and like, <laughs> so, and like gas stations and stuff.
2: So you were walking <laughs> around? Oh, he didn't shoot him. No, I, oh, would, he didn't, no, he didn't no, I
5: would go. There's like web... There's sites oh, just okay. specifically for that. It's like oh. a, almost like a fetish.
2: Although you shot some of them. Because yeah, the other thing Harmony is good at, he's good at internet research. And then once we, uh, once we found the location in St. Petersburg, Florida, he went down there... And he, you know, looked for locations, but he also found locals that, you know, made their way into the film. And one of them was this guy, Dangerous. So he did send me oh, right, right, right. Some, I, some some cell yeah. phone videos that uh, he had made of Dangerous. And it was this weird guy, white guy with dreadlocks, just like rapping in his car. <laughs> And uh, he's like, "This is the model for your character. This is the main model for your character. And it was just that, just a guy rapping in his car.
0: Yes, that's the guy.
5: Sometimes it's just real simple. Like that. <laughs> and then run with it. and then and then a lot of times it's just like you like the way someone's voice sounds or, yeah. some, or something. Like there's this rapper from Memphis named Tommy Wright the third. and I loved him, and I, I love the way he speaks, and I would just send him. Just like songs, and just like the intro to songs, it just as like dialect and things. That's
0: kind of amazing. So you take all this stuff, and it's like you're the actor. We'll just dump this into your machine yes. and see what you do. It's like
5: a filter. It's like, and then what you would want, what James did is, and he filters it in his own way. Because also, you don't want it just to be mimicry. You want it to be something that's like filtered through, and then becomes. Exactly.
0: So story initially is not that important. No,
5: I mean, well, story is important. Story is always important. character's is always important. I sometimes have a problem with like the idea of plot. But okay. but but like because like life just never seems plotted or people that plot things seem horrible. <laughs> right? Yes, like, you have a person that's going to plot ev- your life. Yeah, I yes. don't want to be around you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why would I plot my movies? Yeah.
0: You might want to be around them when the plot starts failing because that's always right. interesting. Right. Well that
5: plot didn't work out. Now but it's like stories, it's gone. And, char- stories are, and characters are, are what what I like.
0: So let me ask you a a couple other things, James, about, like, you seem to be very visible in terms of your appreciation and engagement in in conceptual arts. I'm talking specifically about, like, I watched that Marina Abramovich documentary. And, like, there was a time in my life where where I I found all that very compelling. And it had been a long time since I watched anything like that. And I was right back into it. I was like, this is fucking intense, it's serious, it's amazing, it's important, but, it, you know, like, does anyone pay attention to it anymore? Because I knew, it, and there you were, you know, like, basically having those thoughts, and then there you were, letting her cover you with gold leaf and honey as an art yeah, project. that was her idea, I don't know. No, I oh, oh, well, this, I know it was her idea, but, but how you let her do it is what I want to talk to you about, because... There was a moment there where she's obviously like, I'm doing my thing to your body. You are my canvas.
2: And you're covered with gold leaf and honey, and you didn't go, what, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's... I mean, it's basically the process that you go through when you act in a film. It's like you have a director, and you basically are like, all right, I'm going to go on the ride with you. I trust you. (laughs) You know, Harmony's like yeah, he's not gonna bathe me in in gold, but he might have. I mean, I could see that happening in Spring Breakers, right. like, Easily, so. Uh, but I thought you did the same thing. I right. trust her. I like her stuff.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought you
2: handled it very well. But there was definitely a moment where you, have you watched it and said, "Oh boy." Well, I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I she <laughs> she had honey and gold, and it was supposed to like. Mean something? It generates some energy or something. I mean, I in the end I thought it was like cool, it's like a living sculpture or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. uh No no energy but, generated. Like whatever, just try it. I mean yeah. it was <laughs> So that was your attitude. Yeah. It wasn't you know, you weren't like I'm done. You know, yeah, is, you know, I mean people do pay attention. That show she had at MoMA was like record breaking numbers for the museum. So it's not like No, I found it was it's some obscure thing. You know? Oh, that thing
0: that she did with the, you know, walking the the China, the wall of China to break up with that? Yeah, dude? yeah, that's, that's an older piece. But, but that's yeah, fucking... the one that
2: the the actor the the artist is present is uh Yeah, no, that they, yeah. like broke numbers at MoMA. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
0: But like the commitment it would take to walk the Chinese the wall Great Wall of China just to end a relationship is oh. profound to me. Well, it was
2: supposed to they were actually she did that with her old partner uh, Yeah, and they had conceived of it as a, a, a way to um, start their marriage. They right. were, were going to walk it and meet in the center and then get married, but it took so long to get permission to walk the entire thing that it, it was eight sure. years later and they were ready to break up. So they said, uh, now we'll walk it and, and then the relationship is over. So
0: how much of this, this, this part of your brain, because I mean, you're a guy that's you know, fortunate enough to, to you know, be a, a great enough actor to make a lot of bread, <laughs> doing big movies and then sort of funnel it into these other projects that you're doing which are you know not necessarily big movies and obviously passionate pieces um, you know how much of your brain is how do you split it up I mean like like the I watched part of um, the leather bar movie you watched part of it yeah
2: what, what do you mean you walked out or
0: no I, I just I, I don't have time to see it. But I watch a trailer so I get an idea oh, of what it was trailer. about yeah
2: okay, you saw the trailer okay. yeah no no it looks yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't walk out of your movie. Okay. I just wanted to be able to talk about it. Okay, okay. But when you like what is the premise of that movie?
2: That movie is uh like yeah, as you're suggesting, it's fairly experimental or artistic. It's right. uh it, it was really an experiment. Uh we started with Friedkin's movie Cruising yeah. as a as a kind of a point of departure and when that when his movie was made, it was very controversial. Uh there were I remember uh, it. There were protests while yeah. they were filming. Yeah. Um, I think there were like bottle fights, and you know all the NYPD was out there. And mainly, I think because um, Friedkin had set this murder mystery with uh, in front of the backdrop of these gay leather bars. Yeah, and so he wasn't trying to do anything that was homophobic. It was, but it was just the inferences were that that lifestyle like led to to murder and depravity. Right. And so um, people d- didn't like that. But I don't think it was intention to ever, you know, no. have yeah. that. So I thought, well, I was really attracted to just the images in that film. I, I, And that was a starting place for me. But then I also thought, well, it's 30 years later. Let's examine it and see how, you know, this kind of material is depicted now. Have things changed? Haven't they? What hasn't changed? And that kind of thing. And that was the. Starting place. Oh, so, do the
0: bandana colors still mean the same thing now?
2: Well, <laughs> sort of. Not yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, no. More about like how is how is how are certain lifestyles and images represented in mainstream, you know, film and yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, and so we just started there, and then I realized, and then I had this collaborator, this guy named Travis Matthews, who had made these films where there was actual sex in the in the films, but he was, wasn't using it to titillate people. He was using it as, you know, a storytelling device that basically sex is behavior between people and there's all different kinds of sex and that it was actually, you know, it's actually a tool that we haven't developed very much because we don't allow it in our films. We can, you know, blow people's heads off, but you can't really have much sex. Right. Especially gay sex. So uh the making of it and, and the decisions that we were making and the discussions we were having um, were just as interesting as, as the content that we were, we were um, shooting. So we've made that part of the film as well. So and it was primarily
0: it was. just to sort of like re-examine how sex is depicted in culture and why certain sex isn't depicted in
2: a certain way and what it means. Yeah, but, in it, but also it's also doing the thing that we're talking about because we do show sex. And, right. and so it is what it kind of talks about. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, like, I'm proud of it. <laughs> we premiered it at Sundance, and, uh, and and then we took it to the Berlin Film Festival.
0: So, internally, in like, one other question: Why did you do the General Hospital thing? Was that an experiment? You just want to ask Mike does so much shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, because I want like because a lot of people like after he hosted the Academy Awards are like, oh, was he fucking around? What was going on with that? And then you know you do the General Hospital thing, you make a documentary on it. It's sort of like you know where's the goof end. Do you know what I mean?
2: The goof end?
0: Yeah. Where does the goof like? You oh, know, where I, does the goof end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought I said a word you might not know? No. <laughs> you don't know what a goof end is? It's a very important artistic.
2: Uh, this is the goof end you know, down there are here. There's just different levels of engagement. You know, um, I'll, you know, I. There's no reason not to, you know, be able to do all different sides. Sure. So, you know, when I go and uh. Act in a film like Oz, and I play The Wizard of Oz, the goof ends you know I, I want to fit into that world i 'm not trying to wink at the audience and say uh, hey it 's you know me, the actor behind the character I, I want that character to fit into that world right, but as soon as i 'm done with that project um, there 's no reason why I have to just you know stand behind these facades of these characters and just be no one or not be a um, Creative artist, in addition to to that, so it's just about different approaches or different reasons for doing different projects you know?
0: and, and, uh, and and so the, the, the when you were
2: doing the general hospital thing, I mean, was that funny to you? <laughs> uh, I mean, it started off as like you said, an experiment, like uh, I was talking to an artist friend of mine, and we were going to do a movie where I played a character that had formerly been on a soap opera, right. And that got us talking about, like, hey, what if you were really on a soap opera? <laughs> And I had also been reading this book by this guy named Carl Wilson. Yeah. Called, it's called something like The Journey to the End of Taste or something like that. It's part of this series called 33 and a third, third. about all these um, the records. music record, yeah. records. And he wrote about Celine Dion, not because he liked her, but because... He didn't like her and he wanted to understand why. Like, why did he feel like Elliot Smith was superior to Celine Dion? Mm-hmm. And in the book, he kind of, the conclusion he comes to is that, well, different people get different things from, you know, uh, different kinds of uh, art or culture. And I thought, well, there's this hierarchy that people have when they consider different forms of acting. Like, well, you're supposed to, you know, start off on soap operas, and then hopefully you graduate to primetime television or mainstream movies. Right. But I, you know, look at a lot of mainstream movies, and I think, well, that's no deeper than, you know, what people consider soap operas. It's just that they have more money to put, you know, vampire teeth and people flying through the air. So, but the plot's no deeper, the characters are no deeper. Right. And, uh, and then I also looked at, soap operas, and I thought, you know, there's so much they can do that movies can't do or primetime can't do. They, they make so many episodes that they can, you know, react to current issues in a much better way than all these other forms. They go on for so long, you can have characters go through decades of development. It's, you know, uh, there's interesting yeah, things that yeah, you can yeah. do. And so um, I thought... Yeah, who am I not to go on it? Let's just try it, and and then when I did go on, there was such a big reaction. And I remember going to this uh, event at MoCA right around the time I was on there, yeah. and these artists, contemporary artists, were saying, "Oh, I love that you have that forum of General Hospital. I wish you know I had that kind of you know forum and could do work on like on television <laughs> yeah, like that." Yeah. Like, uh, and they were being earnest. They were like... Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, artists have done it. Like, Warhol went on uh, the Love... or Fantasy Island or something like that. And uh, Chris Burden bought, like, eight seconds on some local channel, you know. But you did, like, 50 episodes, right? I did a lot. But, I mean, they... But they... (laughs) They film really fast. And they made... They called them, like, Franco Fridays. So (laughs) I would go in, and we would shoot, like, 15 episodes worth of material in one day. So I only worked a handful of days. Because it looked like you you had a second career in soap operas for a little while. Yeah, but we filmed it all in like five days. Was it fun? (laughs) It was really fun, yeah. Yeah. And they were great people. And and then also I thought, like before I went on, I thought, oh, am I going to have to act like soap opera style? And then when I got there, I realized a big lesson for me was how important context is and how, how much context transforms a performance. So I didn't have to act like a soap opera actor. I mean, I went on and acted normally and tried... Again, just like I tried to fit in the world of Oz, I just tried to fit into that world. But because there's so much dialogue, because they don't have money for action, um, you know, it's much easier to just shoot two characters on a couch saying the same things over and over and over again (laughs) because they put on so much makeup... Because they have to light really fast um, and you know shoot everything really just in, in one take yeah. it creates a specific kind of product and it's the same thing you know harmony has its own way like all right we go to real locations you know you mix in with real people non actors um, you have uh, extreme characters mixed with you know people not acting you know that creates a specific kind of product but in both cases, I'm kind of plying my, my trade in a similar way. I'm trying to fit into both worlds, but I will look very different because of everything that's around me. So that was a big lesson I learned. Oh, that's great. And now how... Which is why you can see you know, great actors like you know, Sam Jackson kill it in Pulp Fiction, and then you see him in Star Wars, and you're like, what? You know, and <laughs> it's because of the context.
4: You know he's he's an he's, awesome actor. It's yeah, just, yeah. You know, it's in that context. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, I, and I guess sometimes you just can't transcend the context.
2: It just no, it transforms you. Yeah. You never can transcend the context. Right. Right, but you, you don't, you know, to a certain al- extent. Yeah, you don't always know what's you don't, going to come and, out. and you don't really want to. Then if you if you're trying to transcend the context, then you're just making the the movie about you and your performance. I see movies as a director's medium. I always want to serve the director and the, and the film. So I don't want to transcend the context. It's just that sometimes the context is weird. Well,
0: well okay, so it's just, I mean, I'd, I'd be stupid not to do it. So what about the context of the Oscars? What, what was that experience like for
2: you? I did what they wrote me. I didn't write that stuff. <laughs> I was trying my best with what they wrote me. They <laughs> right, want right. me to go out like Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, They think that's funny? Yeah. All right, I'll do it. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I, I don't want to like do a disservice to some of the listeners what, when you look back at Freaks and Geeks I mean what are your feelings about it?
2: It was great I mean it was uh, it was a really special time and experience and it happened so early for me and almost everybody on there that was Seth Rogen's first job and you know people like Mike White were you know the writers and Judd you know it was one of Judd's you know, earlier shows, and um, I guess I didn't understand how special it was to have all those talented people in all departments come together like that. I just, I guess I probably just thought, all right, well, it's a good show, but, you know, (laughs) know, there'll be a lot like this, and and there wasn't for a while, you know, after (laughs) that. But uh, it was also, one of the lessons I learned on that one was the way that, they designed the the show, the episodes, and the characters for the people involved. They weren't trying to fit people into, you know, these already designed right. kind of holes. They designed everything around the people. So, like, in the pilot, my character was described as, uh, um, like, a Latino guy with Peter Frampton hair. <laughs> so I didn't fit that, but they wrote the character around me. But you,
0: you killed it enough to where they're like, well, this is the guy, let's just... Yeah, it. I mean, what yeah. they
2: did in the auditions is basically found people that they, they wanted to work with. Or I mean, so they said, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: do you, when you, have you looked back at it? Have you ever watched it again?
2: I did watch it when the uh, DVD came out, yeah. And
0: were you like, you know, was there some, did it like pull at your heart a little bit in any way? Or were you like, oh, look at me, I was a kid.
2: Yeah, I mean, I took myself pretty seriously then. Uh, not now, though, which is good. I don't, really. <laughs> I try not to. Yeah. Uh, and, uh... No,
0: I mean, I, 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 don't I, know, I, I, I think I mean, you're... No, not, I don't want to be that. No, know. I don't. I don't. Jesus Christ, let's not let it get weird now. Which is <laughs> right... No, I think you. I think you're like you know when I came into this, like it's it's really stop. No, don't 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 go away. Please don't go away. I'm not fucking with you. I swear I'm not fucking with you. I really wanted to talk about art, and I've had it. It was thrilling to hear you know your approach to everything, and, and it was very uh, honest and, and very respectable, and, and I and I'm fucking glad you did the show. And I think that's good, right? James Franco, Harmony Kareem, Nick Napolitano. Why is your name going away? Peter Sagel. Peter Sagel. You all right? Yeah. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, man. All right, put on the music. Thank you very much. Live WTF, South by Southwest. I appreciate you coming. Thank you for listening to the show. Have a good festival. Good night.